listening to the Tickled Ink Pod, a podcast about books and fandom. I'm Diana, and my favorite genres are fantasy, space opera, and romance. I'm Nabia, and I love high fantasy and Regency romance. <laughs> we are currently de- delving into Ruin and Rising, book three in the Grishaverse by Lee Bargudo. Bargudo? <laughs> Bardugo. <laughs> you know that typo's been there for like a month. <laughs> And we're only noticing it now. (laughs) Yeah. This is likely to be the finale episode for the series. And it's been a long time coming. I think it's been a long time coming now. (laughs) You and me, that's my whole world. (laughs) So please grab your book, your drink, and come sit with us as we delve into the shadow fold. And hopefully, tear it down once and for all. Oh, yeah. Don't need that anymore. Mm mm. All right, so in the last episode, they had just, where we left off, they just um, reunited with 12 or 16 (laughs) of the Soul That Soul, the very loyal followers who had escaped um, the apparatus. Um, yeah, 12, 12 of them Very abysmal amount (laughs) Exactly, and then they were also just Totally like shaken from their journey across as well um, And then they decided Okay, this is this is what we have They did a bit of training with Alina's Sort of light bending To try and mm. hide people That was the plan they had come up with yeah. They would go into the fold Meet um, the Darkling And try and free the Grisha children whom he had threatened to use as hostages in the fold if Alina didn't come to him and surrender to him. So they would meet him, but he would have no idea that they were in there. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, what can go ding, wrong ding. with this plan? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. So it's going to be peachy from here on. Yeah. Or maybe Appley. Appley. Because in chapter 16, they... They kind of make their preparations and they find an abandoned apple farm yes. to just hash it out. They decide they, go in. they decide to approach the fold from West Ravka, not from um, the side where they were before, which is where the Darkling is, which is the side of Krybersk. So then Alina and gang cross again through the fold. Like you said, they find an old abandoned apple farm in Novokrybersk, mm-hmm. which obviously the owners had um, left hastily when the fault had expanded in book one. Um, and it's called Tomikiana. Tomikiana. I don't know what it means. I'm sure it means something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as they <laughs> break into this abandoned apple farm there's a lot of comments about how gauche it is yeah it's like new money super tacky (laughs) it's like ceramic animals (laughs) i think it sounds rather cute like i found the description of it like quite cozy and cute like kitschy like eclectic farmhouse yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly yeah i feel like if you look at my pinterest um you'd probably find a few of these things on there (laughs) Yeah, it's like ceramic pig, cute. I have a ceramic duck, like, to hold eggs. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I have a ceramic gnome. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. So anyway, 
Um, so yeah, it's not into the decor at all. <laughs> Even on cats, not into the decor. <laughs> According to Zoya. <laughs> so they um, go through the village where the farm is and sort of just take in the sights and sounds of an abandoned village and they see a monument. The monument was an eerie sight, a giant stone woman rising out of the earth, arms spread wide, her benevolent gaze fixed on the nothingness of the fold. And this saint was rumoured to have rid countless towns of sickness. Um, and in Alina's mind, is like, was she, uh, had she worked miracles or was she simply a talented healer as, you know, they suspect a lot of the early saints who were actually Grisha, right? Just mm. using their powers unbeknownst to the Orkazachia. Yeah. And so, um, as they're looking around, um, Alina, as she is wont to do, goes off wandering on her own outside. And as she's looking down at the fold and thinking about how they're going to go into it in about two days, she hears a soft scraping sound behind her and turns around and sees it's Nikolai perched atop a high rock. Yeah, so he he's a bit cleaner, so he's like, I guess he can't stand being so messy and yes. unclean. He's like, oh, gross. Like, clearly he'd made an attempt yeah. to get back to who he was before. Yeah, but he can't, he couldn't change his trousers, I guess. So he's still in his torn pants. <laughs> um, he recognizes her, uh, so she she holds out her hand with the lens of emerald in her palm and then he slips it onto her finger yeah which is to her like you know who i am right like this is still like he clearly recognizes and remembers her even though there's very little of him left in his eyes in his face and he's not speaking a single word yeah and then you know she's he he looks at her and, and points at her and makes a sweeping gesture because he can't speak, I guess. Like, he yeah. seems to have lost the ability to speak human words. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to mime something to her. And it, it took Alina a while to realize that he was mimicking the way she gestures when she's summoning the light. And she's like, do you want me to call the light? And... And then he he seized her hand as she pulled up some sunlight and slapped it against his chest and, and held it there as mm. if he wants to her to like burn the monster out of him. Yeah. And and they try and and it sort and of works. Just, it sort of works for a bit. Like for the bit, black yeah. cracks on his torso starts to recede. And, and she's like, it's working, it's working. And he's like waving her on, asking for more. But then as, as, the, light, as the black veins um, continue to fade and recoil, then suddenly Alina feels something pushing back. It's like the darkness within him was fighting her. And then he flinches and shoves her, her away from him. And then, you know, there's this whole thing where then uh, he is upset. She stupidly goes and hugs him. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then obviously you can't resist the smell of human meat <laughs> the warmth of yeah. Alina and as he's dropping his head on her shoulder he suddenly inhales and then he tenses and then his teeth start to scrape her jaw <laughs> she yeah. realizes oh oh sh- oh shit <laughs> he's going to eat me but not in a sexy way like in an actual <laughs> i will devour you whole <laughs> I, I, yes unfortunately not in a sexy way yeah. Like, like in a wild animal, it's gonna eat you away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So she gets scared, and then she's uh, threatening to, like, you know, uh, to give him the cut. Basically, it's like Nikolai, please, please, you can control this. I will put you down. And then that's when reason returns to him, and then he's like horrified by what he's done, and then he just takes off and 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 flies away into the fold. And she's like, Nikolai. <laughs> But he was gone. And then, obviously, people, the rest of them had heard. So mm. they, they come running and Zoya's like, was that a Nichevoya? And he's like, no, it was Nikolai. And Alina hasn't told anyone that she had actually seen Nikolai in this form before. Mm. So Mel and all are like, what, he's, he found us? And she admits that he's been tracking them since they left the spinning wheel. And Zoya's obviously mad. Is that how long have you known? Um, and then they're like, "Oh, we could have, we could have had Mal put an arrow through him." And she got mad. She said, "I wouldn't abandon you, and I'm not abandoning Nikolai. Yeah. Abandoning Nikolai." And so they're like, "Okay, we'll." I guess I mean they they had a short fight about it, but I guess they realized like Alina's not gonna back off about this at all so they're like okay okay let's just head back inside um and then as they're heading back in mel's like uh, a bit curious about that ring <laughs> on her finger because she's wearing the lance of emerald yeah so she's like admitted it's like i was hoping he would recognize me and he did before he tried to eat me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's this whole like boring mel and alina dialogue yeah I mean, it's, blah, like, blah, it's, blah. it's cute in their way, but it's boring, so I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can read it. <laughs> so they're just eating dinner, making final plans. I, I mean, they're bantering, I guess. Yeah. Just then final the night of normalcy. Soul. Yeah, the soul that soul come and join them at the apple farm. Mm-hmm. They practiced a few times going into the fold and Alina sort of bending the light around them and then after doing this a few times and I think after being comfortable that she'd be able to cover so many moving people as they head into the fold they decide okay it's time to rest before we go in to the fold tomorrow so they go back to the apple farm Uh, David and Jenya had completely taken over the kitchen they're trying to make Lumia, I guess. Yeah, they're making like personal, like portable Lumia. For yeah, like everybody. grenades. Right? It's, like, um, it's more like if anything happened to Alina, they have a way out by mm. themselves. Oh, yes, yes. I guess I totally just like scanned right through that. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then Jenya and David are doing their mad scientist thing. Yeah. Um, 
Misha is organizing stuff. <laughs> and Harshaw had gathered food together from the nearby estates. Um, and, and, you know, they're all just like doing the prep work. Mm-hmm. And then also Zoya is practicing her sort of walkie-talkie wind and air bending (laughs) trick as well that they would use to communicate when they're in the fold. I mean, this is a classic sort of like prepping for war scene where they show like almost a very domesticated Mm. scene where, you know, everyone's together, they're working together and they're sort of almost saying goodbye, right? There's a lot of banter amongst the group, like they're joking and stuff, Mm. but... It's like cozy. I think it's you know yeah like your last night at having normalcy before yeah. their lives could be appended or ended. Yeah, like they yeah. they just have no idea how it's gonna end. Like they're just yeah. gonna go in, hope that they manage their plan works and that they defeat the darkling. But there's also a very high likelihood that it all goes to pieces and they all die. Yeah. And nothing changes, right? So, it's it's also in the way this scene is written, it's like it keeps going back and forth between the dialogue of the existing scene and what everyone is doing and jumping into like Alina's internal thoughts about mm. the plans and what's going to happen tomorrow. So, I mean, it really is like it shows like, okay, while they're all there sitting there and she's taking us, the author is taking us through the scene, Ultimately, the thought of the upcoming battle is not far from everyone's minds. It's like yeah. they're, they're just going through the motions, but really they just want to get it over with and get through it, right? Hmm. So the couples retire early. Mm-hmm. Right. Tamar and Nadia, and then she and Mal also goes off. Yes, she and Mal... Go and off into then, a... And she pops her cherry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he he goes into the fold. Snap. <laughs> 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 or... Or rather, we assume that's what happens because don't forget, this is a young adult novel. And, yeah, so and it fades young adult <laughs> Just fade to black and, and we never see what happens. Yeah. There's a lot it's of all very talk. sweet. <laughs> it's all very it's all very romanticized and idyllic. You know, they're in this apple orchard. Yeah, like he takes her through the house and then um they're in a long narrow conservatory. It's like glass walls and vaulted roof and it's raining and they're lying down under the apple trees in a cluster of white flowers. The mm-hmm. petals are like, let me, let me read this out. Their petals lay like a smattering of snow on the red tile floor and floated on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean like it's <laughs> meant to be like super romantic. Yes, there's like a pool so anyway, that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for them, I guess. <laughs> good for them, yeah. And then I guess they they talk about 
Yeah, I, I think there was this really interesting conversation they had about how... Because Mal asks, do you ever wonder what it might have been like if the Grisha examiners had discovered your power back at Karamzin? Mm. And they were like... And Alina's like, sometimes... And Mel says, Rafka would be different. And she says, maybe not, because ultimately my power was useless before we found the stag. And without you, we might never have located any of Morozova's amplifiers. But I like that here they have this like sort of like conversation about fated mates and soulmates, right? Like yeah. how even in alternate scenarios, they both believe that they would have found each other. Mm. Even though they would be totally different people, like Alina would just be another spoiled Grisha princess, yeah, and Mal would have not had that one soft thing in his life growing up. Who knows if he even would be at Karamzin, right? Because he was drawn to Karamzin because of Alina. Mm. Um, like they assume he definitely would have just been in the army, yeah. And then they had this like cute alternate universe um, scenario playing out and they're like oh it's like the one where you know yes she's he like, would uh, have been he would have been the one to track the snake anyway yes that's his power yes it's like the darkling would have sought Morozova's amplifiers fruitlessly hopelessly until one day a tracker a no one an Otkazatia orphan travelled into the ice of Sibaya um, and she's like, this nobody, this nothing, this pathetic orphan. <laughs> and he's like, I get it. He's like, he would be the first one to spot the stag after centuries of searching. So, of course, the Darkling and I would have to travel to Sibaya in his great black coat. <laughs> and when we arrived at Shurnast, your unit would be led into our exalted presence. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's like, are we allowed to walk, or do we wriggle in our in on our bellies like the lowly worms we are? <laughs> she goes, "You walk, but you do it with a lot of deference." <laughs> I mean, I think it's cute. And then she's like, and then he says, "It wouldn't matter. I'd still be, I still wouldn't be able to stop looking at you." And she laughs. She's like, "No, you'd be making eyes at Zoya. <laughs> like Zoya's there, isn't she always? <laughs> Zoya's gonna be there." Yeah, of course. They'd be best friends, probably. Um, and then this is, I guess this is where the sexy scene begins. <laughs> oh, in yeah. A really, in a really awkward way. Like, this was not sexy to me in any way. <laughs> she was like, did you ever notice me at Karamzin? And Mal was silent for the longest time. And when <laughs> she looks at him, he's looking at the glass ceiling and he was red as a beet. <laughs> It's very cute. It's like, you know, I'm first sorry, crush it's gross. type it's, of thing. It's gross. <laughs> it's like, he's like, as a matter of fact, I did. I had some very dot, 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 distracting thoughts about you. <laughs> I mean, so did she. So it's like, you know. Yeah, but he's basically admitting to like, jerking off to her throughout his teen years. <laughs> That's disgusting. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I did not think of it that way. Come on. <laughs> the dot 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 tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> You're right. The dot 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 should have tipped me off. <laughs> so then, yeah, so that's the start of it. Then 
then then you know the air the air gets thick and heavy <laughs> and and they kiss and they make out and and the chapter ends yep and yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> i'm like i forget this is ya <laughs> Give me, give me my raunchy Regency romance. Okay, we're gonna read those next. Okay, <laughs> at least one in between, please. Yeah, let's do an interstitial, but it's gonna be eighteen rated eighteen and above. Yes, it has to be. Oh my god, I know the perfect thing that we can do in between. I haven't read it yet, but my cousins have been begging me to read it. And I think it's like out there enough that it would be fun for us to do an interstitial on. Okay. I'm going to say... tell you the genre. Uh-huh. It's alien smut. Oh my god. Okay. I know this alien smut book. <laughs> oh my god. Have you read it? I haven't. But everybody talks about it. And it's so highly rated. It's so random. Ruby like, Dixon, right? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. That's the one. Like, they're like blue people. I think... Wait, let me check. They get like enslaved and stuff. <laughs> let me check her message to me. I think it's Ruby Dixon's. What was it called? Alien something. Yeah, it's like Sunday Alien Recommendation. What is it called? Yeah, the Ruby Dixon book. <laughs> I think I read a sample on Kindle and I was just like, oh. This one? Because, <laughs> oh, like, is literally... It, is, is it called Ice Planet Barbarians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> and it's really random because I feel like the opening was something like she just gets hijacked onto an alien planet or something. Like, she gets kidnapped. And then, and then she's, like, enslaved by an alien barbarian. I think it's... The going, I think it's going to be the perfect palate cleanser. Okay, but did you know there is, like, dino porn books? No. <laughs> and, and I don't want to get into it. I, think I know, I'm, right? I'm like, I think I will draw the line at aliens. I think aliens might. I don't know about dinos. Like, I, I, I can't. Like, I They're hope it's overgrown dinos. chicha. I hope it's dinos and dinos. Like, no. not bestiality shit. I, like. I, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's bestiality. It's like dino on dino. No. Okay, no, I can't do bestiality. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can do werewolves. Like, that's the extent that yeah. I will go. But only because they're, like, humans who can turn into animal form. Yeah, they're humans who turn into animal form and growl. Like, I can, I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think they're dino shifters. They're, like, actual dinosaurs. Nah, nah I'm no. going to pass. I'm gonna yeah, pass. me too. But I yes, <laughs> let's do Ice Planet Barbarians. I feel like I have the first book. <laughs> I haven't gotten into it, so okay, let's do yes, it. That's the plan. Anyway, back to anyway, chapter 17. Back, back to chapter 17, because that obviously didn't sate our <laughs> minds that are like firmly in the gutter. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to do it, let's go all out, right? <laughs> we'll cover <laughs> that for the next one. <laughs> So anyway, chapter 17, brief summary. So they, next morning they wake up, they head into the fold and they leave behind 
um, Misha, Onkat, and David and Jenya, right? Oh. Everybody else goes in. Um, and then they join, um, the, the squalors go in together. Their ears crackle as Zoya layers the acoustic blanket, they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's, everyone's information, they know what they need to do. Yeah. Um, they go in and as they're walking, they, they're, they, they move, they keep moving and Alina's like testing it out because it's so quiet. Like how they describe entering the fold is like going into a weighted blanket where you have lost, like you've lost all your senses. Mm. Um, you can't hear anything. It's like impenetrable, like a deep silence. Sensory deprivation tank. Exactly, which like sounds you. amazing. <laughs> like as uh, overstimulated mother, like exactly. <laughs> like, would, give me fifteen minutes of that. <laughs> yeah, fifteen minutes every night before bedtime would be wonderful. <laughs> In the fold, uh, sans sans the Volcra. <laughs> Yeah, just and keep it there for like, you know, for people to decompress. Yeah, they could have just left like one section. <laughs> kill the Volcra in it, but leave one section of the fold. Yeah. <laughs> Sensory like, deprivation. Charge, yeah, charge. charge for people to go in a 15-minute windows. <laughs> they, did, they obviously needed to hire us to like yeah. <laughs> help them make you, money. How do you market the fold? <laughs> So then they go in two clicks and then suddenly they see the a pale violet glow moving towards them from the east. It is the Darkling's skiff lit by Lumia. Um, so the signal, um, Alina's signal is three clicks mm-hmm. to... They, they fan out into formation. She raises her hands and she sets the fold ablaze. And in the same moment, she bends the light so that it flows around each of the soldiers like a stream. So this is the bit that I guess I'm a bit confused about. So the Darkling sees that the fold is bright. Right? I but think so. But they're invisible. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then the skiff slows down, obviously, because they're like, aha, Alina's here. Um, and then they're looking around. They can't see anyone. Everyone's looking. Everyone's on edge. And then it happened so fast. I barely had time to register it. The first shot struck one of the darklings, Oprishniki. He toppled over the skiff's railing. And then the shots came in a rapid patter, like raindrops on a rooftop at the start of a storm. Grisha and Oprishniki slumped and fell against one another as confusion broke out aboard the glass skiff. They see more bodies fall. And then suddenly someone on the skiff is like, return fire. And then the Nichevoya starts turning, searching for their targets. The flints were struck and the Inferni who are on the skiff sends flames through the air because they can't see anyone. Mm. Um, But the beauty of it is that they have Harshaw who's also invisible among them and he turns the fire back on the Inferni who are on the skiff and then everyone's just screaming and then suddenly it's just silence broken only by moaning and shouted orders from the glass skiffs and this is when the squalors sort of you know they they come up with a plan the squalors send the wave a wave of sand crashing through the air and then the 
people in the skiff are like trying to respond, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> they yeah. have, they're just like being attacked by sand and fire <laughs> and guns, but can't uh-huh. see anyone. Um, and then the twins and Alina get onto the skiff trying to save the children and they're like, where are they? Um, they think it's below, but they think the children are below the, the, in the hold of the skiff. Um, they pick their way across and then somehow Alina, because as they're going, um, they also hear sounds. Everybody on, on board of the skiff is like scared and they're like, Malini, which is ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, the Darkling obviously is like peasants. He's yeah. completely unfazed. He's just looking out. He clearly knows that Alina is invisible and mm. is somewhere. He's just trying to figure out his plan, right? And then I don't... I and don't then she s- gets shot. She gets shot, like, accidentally, right? I think so. Like, they were just shooting blind. Like, um, the Darklings people were just shooting blind and she got shot in her shoulder. Yeah. And then she sort of loses control. Like, her, the light falters. She tries to regain control. Yes, and then, like, everyone starts flickering into sight. Mm. They can see Tolia, they can see Zoya, um, yeah. Tamar, etc. And then the Nichevoya take the opportunity to sort of, like, grab at where they had seen people. Mm. And, um, and then sh- she's sprawled out on the deck. And so the Nichevoya, one of the Nichevoya gets a hold of her. And then, and then Nikolai comes. Yes. And like, he's yeah, Nikolai dives Nichevoya. into the fray. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he grabs the Nichevoya that's holding Tamar and like flies upward and hurls them into the blackness beyond. Um, and then the shadow soldiers don't reappear. <laughs> I don't know how Nikolai <laughs> manages yeah. to kill them. He's, He's got away. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in Alina's mind, she can almost hear um, Nikolai laughing. It's like, well, if I'm going to be a monster, I might as well be king of the monsters. <laughs> and then as she's thinking this, suddenly her arm is slammed onto the deck and the darkling is looming over her, his boot pressing on her wrist. And he's like, there you are. Hello, Alina. And then the light collapses, darkness crowds in. Um. Um, and they're only lit by the violet flame of the Lumia in the skiff. And yeah. she's like, where are the students? And he says, they aren't here. They're safe and sound back in Krybersk, probably having their lunch. <laughs> it's like, did you really believe I would endanger Grisha children when we've lost so many? And this, I mean, we were talking about this before, but like, we <laughs> knew this was coming. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the same thing that Voldemort and Harry pulled on each other, right? <laughs> With the little lemons and... Op- yeah, they were just like playing tricks on each other. Because yeah. they're like, okay, playing I'm, mind going tricks. To, I'm, I'm going to draw her out. Hmm. Um, I'm going to draw her out by putting the children's lives in danger. Yeah. Or letting her believe that I will. Because she clearly believes that I'm the villain. Hmm. So I'll just play to it, lah. Like I will, I will play to what she believes me to be, in mm-hmm. in all ways. 
But she forgot that at the end of the day, the Darkling has always been driven by one single purpose, which is to make Ravka safe for Grisha. Like, yes, his methods have been dubious, but he would not harm Grisha children mm-hmm. who are completely innocent and can still be trained to do his bidding. And he still, yeah, and his main motivation right now, his main goal is to draw Alina out. Yes. Like, by hook or by crook, he's like, I want you to be my dark queen. Yeah, I want to use your power. I want to access your power. And he's like, where is the boy? I have my summoner. I want my tracker too. So she, he still has no idea that Mal is the firebird. I mean, only their small crew knows about it. So there's no way that he would he would know about it. Mm. He's like, I, I know, I know what you're trying to do. Like you want to martyr yourself but I'm not going to allow it. And then yeah. he, as, as, he's, um, as he's trying to draw Mal out by putting her in danger, she has an idea. Again, with this tether between them, it's like, how do I use what I have available to me to weaken him right now? Hmm. And she uses whatever little energy she has left in her to make herself invisible with her light bending tricks and then accesses the tether between her and the darkling so that it seems as if she's standing in front of him Mm. right so it's like a a hallucination if you will yeah an illusion an illusion (laughs) and then he's shocked like he, in the fray of what's going on, I guess he doesn't put two and two together fast enough. Hmm. Um, and probably also underestimates Alina a little bit, right? It's like yeah. he's always underestimated her. Mm-hmm. To be fair, she <laughs> deserves to be underestimated because <laughs> she's, she's been pretty silly <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> I mean, she's a newbie, but she learns quick. She learns quick enough. So she's like, she's oh, you scrappy. trick me. Yeah. yeah. You trick me, I'm going to trick you. So yeah. like she she's, presents the illusion everything she of does, herself. Yeah. yeah, like all her big moments so far have all been like total mm. improvisations. Yeah, or, or like mirroring what the Darkling did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then she appears before him and he's surprised. And in that moment of surprise she makes the vision of herself raise her arms as if she's going to deliver the cut to him and then he didn't stop to think he just reacted and in that brief split second his Nichevoya that were holding her sprang forward to protect him and then she lunges off the railing and throws herself over the side of the skiff mm-hmm. and the darkling obviously realizes what she'd done and trying to catch her and she runs and then is caught by Mal. Yeah. Mal's like, Alina, this is the moment. And she's like, no, it isn't over yet. And he's like, don't let it all be for nothing, Alina. Save them. Don't let me live knowing I might have stopped this. And then he's like, end this. This once, let me carry you. <laughs> and then he, he's holding a dagger or a uh-huh. knife in his hand. He forces her fingers around the the knife and shoves it so he's like guiding her fingers and 
she has this moment yeah Yeah. she has this moment here she's like i would never know if it was greed or selflessness that moved my hand yeah and together they kill kill him shove the knife into his chest and then she she cries she regrets it instantly and then the power floods through her feels like she's being consumed from the inside she says i was a living star i was combustion i was a new sun born to shatter air and eat the earth i am ruination i mean that's that's all epic and i feel like i feel like could be tattooed i would love a tattoo that says i am ruination yeah and it all ends so suddenly and then yeah the power was gone exactly she feels empty she Mm. throws up her hands to call the light and she can't nothing happens darkness is surrounding all of them they can hear the volcra sort of circling and coming down on them people are she could hear the sounds of tolia and tamar calling her name and and she's like mel help me help me and you know she's like someone help tolia and tamar and zoya all running towards her and she's like bring him back bring him back um she's like what what happened right what is this Uh sick twist in the story is like i claim the firebird's power and then i lose all my power and i lose the love of my life like yeah is this the price yeah and then bagra's voice comes to her it's like you may not be able to survive the sacrifice that Mazost requires. And dun, dun, like, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's, you know, like, you don't know what happens when you do Mazost. Like, the yeah. outcome is never what you predict it would be. Yeah. And because so few have dabbled, dabbled in Mazost, mm-hmm. I guess there's no real, like, history of possible outcomes as well, right? Yeah, like, no you have record. <laughs> Yeah, like you have the extremely tragic story of what had happened with Ilya Morozova mm-hmm. and the daughter. But that's about it. That's like the only... And, and of course, the Darkling, Darkling and the Nichevoya yeah. and the Fall. But that's like the extent of what we know of Morozov's uses. Mm-hmm. And then as, you know, she's, she's trying to get Mal to come back, Tolia is trying to restore him. Um, suddenly, she sees a light in the distance, a gleaming blade piercing the dark. And before she could make sense of it, another appeared, and another, and another, and another. And then as she, her eyes adjust, she sees Vladim. Vladim. His mouth. <laughs> Vladim. With the, with the scar. With the scar, the handprint scar. Where was it again? On, her, on his shoulder? I think on his chest. On his chest, right? For some yeah. reason, in my head, in in my head, he has he has a handprint scar on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like in my head, it's like on his chest. But I yeah. think it's I think it's on his chest. I just put it on his face for comic relief. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vladim gets the sun summoning powers. Yeah, his mouth is open in shock and confusion and light is pouring from his palms. And then as she looks around the fold, one by one, like stars appearing in a twilight sky, Soldatsol and Oprishniki, weapons forgotten, faces baffled, awed, terrified, they're all bathed in light. And then she has the realization. It's like, 
Morozova was a strange man, the Darkling's words. Mm. He was a bit like you, drawn to the ordinary and the weak. He'd had an Otkazatia wife. He'd nearly lost an Otkazatia child. And now Alina understands what he had done, that this was actually the gift of combining the three amplifiers. Mm. Power multiplied a thousand times, but not in one person. In Otkazatia, in the very common Otkazatia that Morozova had loved. Yeah. Um, so th- she has no idea how far it had reached, like how many people had inherited her power. Mm. But as the arcs and cascades of light blossoms around her, she realizes that where the beams met and crossed, the darkness of the fold burned away. And of course, um, the sun sold that, the soul sold that soul and Oprishniki realize it as well. And, and they're tearing the fold down um, in bits and pieces, right? And as they're seeing it come down um, around them, suddenly um, Alina hears the voice of the Darkling standing behind them. He's like stunned. He's like, how? This can't be. Not without the Firebird. And then he realizes as he sees Mal dead blood on Alina's hands that he was the Firebird. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what power is this? He stares and then Alina uses the last bit of power that she has, which was the shadow power that she had somehow stolen from the Darkling cloaks the knife that she had used to kill Mal and uses it to stab the Darkling mm-hmm. and and he was like before this he was like no you were meant to be like me you were meant to, you, you're nothing now yeah. <laughs> you're, you're nothing you're common peasant peasant and he's like <laughs> He realizes that he's alone and will forever be alone. And that's when she kills him. And as he's dying, he's like, like this. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> this is how this I is die. With a dagger to my heart. Like what? It's like the most, you know, Oscar common Zasia. way of dying. Yeah, it's like such an Oscar Zasia way to die. Yeah. It's not. How a powerful Grisha died. It's just, it's not rock and roll at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to have the most metal of deaths. So he's like, well, he, there's this moment between the two of them and then he's like, Alina. Yeah, because she can't help herself. As mm-hmm. she's kneeling beside him, he's like, Alina. And she cries. She, she cries. And she tries like, to mourn me. He's the only, the only person to mourn him. Yeah, he drops, he he cups her cheek. He's like someone to mourn me, and then he goes, no grave. You know, let me let me do it like how he's supposed to be gasping. No grave, for them to desecrate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I said. The tears came harder. There will be nothing left. He's like once more, speak my name once more. Alexander. Alexander. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing his voice like Voldemort. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. So as um, he dies, she 
looks up, the Nichevoya blows apart, scattering like ashes in the wind. She hears a wrenching cry and looks up to see Nikolai's wings dissolve, the darkness spilling from him as he plummets to the grey sand. Zoya runs to him, slowing his fall his fall with an updraft. And then she too slumps in between the bodies of Mal and the Darkling, the last of Morozova's line, both of them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she'd also lost um I think when when she lost her power the antlers and the fetter around her wrist had fallen off as well. Yeah. And they can see the blue sky, the fold is almost completely obliterated at this point. And, you know, everyone who, the soul that soul and everyone were basically burning the fold away. They ran off to continue to get rid of the thin, thinning scraps of darkness, unraveling the fold. They're crying and laughing, and then she hears a soft rasp, fragile, and realizes that it's Mel. Tamar sobs, Tolia swears, and then they can hear the sound of Mel drawing breath. And that is the end of chapter 17. Mel's alive! Yeah. Mal's alive, the fold is down, the Darkling is dead. Alina has no powers. The Darkling is dead. Yeah. Alina's common now. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go into chapter 18, which is the aftermath. The aftermath. So tie up loose ends. Um, The Darkling didn't want a grave, so they, they wrap him up in the blue robes of one of his fallen inferni. Yeah, and then Alina was like, I I died here today. Yeah. So I'm I've martyred, I died. I'm no longer the sun summoner. Yes. So basically saying to Tolia, Tamar and their core group hmm. as far as everyone else is concerned, Sancta Alina is no more. Yeah. Then they, you know, in the end, she says, my friends did a good job of my death and an even better job of Nikolai's resurrection. They go back to the apple farm. They stash Mal, Alina and the Darkling's body. No, not the Darkling's body. Stash Mal and Alina in the barn in the cider presses in case the soul that soul return because they're also hiding her from the soul that soul. Don't forget, like, they're fanatics, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like who would, knows they what know. they're going to do? Yeah. So they cleaned Nikolai up and then within hours he was already heading to Krybisk, flanked by the twins with Nadia and Zoya dressed in blue kefta and the story they concocted was that he had been a prisoner of the Darkling and he had been tortured, hence the scarring Um, and with the Sun Summoner's help they had vanquished him and the... And and they'd somehow taken the fold down. Like, nobody really understands what happened. Mm. It seems that the reach of the power had gone all the way to Krybersk, right? So even people who were outside the fold had suddenly broken out in light. <laughs> and it had shocked people on the other side of the fold as well. And... Um, and between them all, they began to just tear the total of the fold down. There was still some 
dark wisps hanging in the air, trailing over the ground like lost creatures separated from the herd. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a mention that some of them had picked up guns and started hunting the Volcra. And there were a few of the Volcra that had escaped, braving the light to seek deep shadows elsewhere. So for me, this is like, how is all of this going to come back in future books? Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you can't leave any loose ends. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nikolai reclaims power as the Lansov heir quickly. Yeah. Um, he'd been training his whole life. And then, yeah, Alina asks Tamar and Zoya, how is he? And she's like, he's haunted. There's a difference in him. In him, And although I'm not sure anyone else would notice. Um, and Zoya's like, maybe, though I've never seen anything like it. If he gets any more charming, men and women may start lying down in the street for the privilege of being stepped on by the new Rafkin king. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's that bit. They Alina goes across to I mean they, they grieve a lot a lot of the soul that soul had died. Yeah. But they also grieve so between her and Mel, like they both grieve the powers they've lost. Yes. So Alina obviously lost her sun summoning power, but Mel loses his ability to kind of like be linked to the natural world. Yeah. Like his connection with the natural world. He's lost that. Yeah, he's like, I don't even know until I try to track, but I feel different. I used to just know things. Mm -hmm. Like I could sense a deer in the field or a bird in the sky. But now there's just silence. And so they grieve the loss, like uh, Mel says, loss is loss. So yes, you grieve the people who have passed, but you also, like, it's a personal loss for them to Yeah, and then Alina has this, out. yeah, Alina has a theory because she's like, how did Tamar and Tolia bring Mel back? And this oh. is very much like Harry Potter being the horcrux <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> right where he's like mel had two lives mel mm. he basically possessed two lives one was rightfully his and the other was stolen an inheritance wrought from Merzost. Mm. snatched snatched from the making at the heart of the world and it was the force that had animated Morozova's daughter so when she had killed him she had killed the life that was stolen by Morozova which is the firebird metaphorically Mm -hmm. right and then the life that was left was the life that he was born with fragile mortal temporary and it was his alone Mm. yeah Okay, I can I can accept that theory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. I, I guess we don't want to... We had to come up with this theory because we also don't want to believe that Tolia and Tamar used Merzost. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's the other implication is that <laughs> did they did they use Merzost to bring him back to life? Because then are, did they learn nothing <laughs> from these three books? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
then um she goes in disguise jenya you know changes her hair color put her puts her in peasant clothes and then they go and make a trek and travel across to the military camp in kribersk and when they get there you know they see people crossing the gray sands of what had once been the fold people are celebrating children are climbing over the ruins of the sandskiffs people are gathering in spontaneous spontaneous parties they're kissing hugging drinking they're like shouting unifost which is unity mm-hmm. and then there's also pockets of grief as people um look around the crumbling remains of novokribersk there's sort of like um little morning flowers and monuments around the wrecks of skiffs little altars built mm-hmm. people were waving the double eagle rafkin flags mm-hmm. girls they're selling were, her bones again they're selling her bones all over again this faces her icons and her photos of santa elena um they're but like her, filtered yes with like prettier rounded cheeks serene brown eyes <laughs> <laughs> and no one no one looks at her um they're not nobles they're not second army they're just anonymous peasants mm-hmm. and um when they get to kribersk you know she pauses at the church to light a candle for her shawl <laughs> and another and another and another because <laughs> he would have liked the flames <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i thought was sweet yeah and then they go she goes to the royal barracks of course when she gets to the entry the guards like who are you peasant girl yeah. and she's like what exactly are you waiting for you're <laughs> looking for tamar right yeah so tamar and tolia come and they're like tolia's like it's uh, she's our sister <laughs> <laughs> and tamar's and like our sister she doesn't she look anything like, like us yeah Remind me never to let you work intelligence. <laughs> but he says, but she is our sister, which was sweet. Yeah. And then they take her to see Nikolai. Um he is sitting quietly in his room in the dark, staring at a fire. And then at the sound of the door shutting, he starts and he's like forgive me i was lost in thought and then he grins and he's like unfamiliar territory <laughs> and i like that elena just calls him on his bullshit she's like you don't have to do that like don't don't mm. cover up how you feel yeah don't me. turn on the charm on my account right yeah but he's like but i do and so they they have a discussion and he's like you know they're just talking about he he shares that he's just reading now because he knows what it is to lose that part of himself because yeah. when he was that monster he couldn't read like he knew that the scratches and symbols weren't just nothing he knew that they meant something but he couldn't read anything mm. when he was in that monster nikolai form and then He's like I remember too much. I can still feel the darkness inside me. Like I keep thinking it will go, but but it's there. Mm. And 
you know, he's doubting himself because he feels he's dark and he's obviously gone through a big change. And he's like, you know, you could still, you could still stay. You could still be my queen. Yeah. And she says, no, that's, that's not, I'm not the sun summoner now. I'm not even Alina Starkov and I don't want to return to court. And again, this is like mirroring the Darkling almost where he's like, but, but you understand this thing. Because yeah. like the Darkling and now Nikolai is like, Alina's the only one who understands what it feels like to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And, and they all just want somebody who can understand them and can relate to them. Yeah. Which is really sad. Mm. <laughs> and then yeah. so she gives him back the Lance of Emeralds and he picks it up and he's like, keep it. Uh, like please keep it I owe you Ravka owes you this and more like sell it or whatever you want to do do good works commission an opera house or just take it out and gaze at it lovingly when you think of the handsome prince you might have made your own (laughs) 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 and um, that's how they part right and he's like we were friends weren't we and she's like don't be an ass Nikolai we are friends yeah. And then she says, we're going to settle some things about the second army. So basically what she means here, and she talks about it later, is like she wants the second army to be led jointly by Jenya, Zoya, and David. And David, yeah. Each ahead of their own practices but it will no longer be in the power of one person who can be corrupted, right? Mm. So there'll be three of them. And then she hopes that with each of them leading, that they won't be seduced by power or status or knowledge and that they'll balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Then it ends with the funeral. Mm-hmm. They... She goes back to the crowd um, to go for the funeral of, of, well, basically her own funeral and yeah. the Darkling's funeral. And they see on top of a pyre, it's Alina, who is basically revealed to be Ruby. And Jenya had tailored her to look like Alina. Alina. Yeah. And she's like, I actually... I didn't want to use her this way, but um, but Tolia had convinced her. She's like, she believed, and even if you don't, then let this be her final act of faith. And yeah. next to her on the pyre was the Darkling in his black kefta. Mm. And some people were like, the Darkling has no business sharing the pyre with the saint, right? Yeah. But she feels it's it's the perfect ending. Yeah, it's closure. Like people yeah. need to see the darkling mm. burn and and die. Yeah. As well as with Alina as well. Like so they don't continue to look for her and hope that she's still around. Mhm. Then set the pyre ablaze and yeah, everyone's everywhere. crying out yeah. Santa, Santa Alina. And then she whispers Alexander. 
because she's the only one who can say his name. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's like really weird. But okay. I guess we're, Alina's more forgiving than any of us. <laughs> it's weird, but I, I don't know. Like, they were, were they enemies? They, I don't know what kind of dynamic they had. Yeah, it's not like were, outright enemies. It's like they were just two sides of the same coin, I suppose. Yeah, twin flames. Is it something like that, or maybe she has so- Stockholm syndrome, you know. Yeah, and then we go into the after. Oh my gosh, we're at the end. Yes, and this is the <laughs> epilogue of the entire trilogy. The grand finale. The happily ever after. Why don't you go into it? <laughs> <laughs> so after they have, um, it seems like Alina and Mal, well, first they got married. Yes. It's cute. Um, it was just very small chapel. Nobody, it was, you know, false names. There was only um, on Kat and Misha to witness it. Mm. So cute. And they had driftwood crowns, and though the it, it says here, the names they gave were false ones, though the vows they made were true. Mm. And after that, they take over the duke's orphanage, the, the house in Karamzin. Um, we think they might have sold the lands off to take over the house. Yes, maybe um, because they but, rebuilt. They yeah. built. A new house over the ruins. Yeah. And it was it was not like the Duke's home where things are, you know, like children were not allowed to touch some things. It was like yeah. open. It was a real home for the children. Yeah, and they grew up like in the midst of the war as well where everything was rationed. Yeah. There's no sugar. They don't light lanterns unless it absolutely has to be lit. Yeah. Where here it's like, yeah, we're going to have Cakes so they, and tea and coal yeah, in the winter they kind, they and kind books. of spoil the kids, right? It's like yeah, buy every, new skates. Yeah, every winter new skates. Young, <laughs> rich, possibly mad. These were the words whispered about the couple who ran the orphanage. But they um, paid well. <laughs> yeah, and they, and like, so, the epilogues are always told in a distant, like omniscient third person point of view, right? So it's like through the eyes of other people and um, they they say they they have friends in high places because they're always getting gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so Like super fancy gifts. Super fancy gifts. Um, where was it? It's later. Oh, uh, yeah. Like <coughs> presents arrive frequently, sometimes Every marked winter. with the royal seal. Yeah. Like atlases for the library, sturdy wool blankets, a new sleigh with a pair of matched white horses. Like, yeah. That's once, an extravagant gift. Yeah, and this one is like, Once a man arrived with a fleet of toy boats that the children launched on the creek in a miniature regatta, the teachers noted that the stranger was young and handsome with golden hair and hazel eyes, but most definitely odd. It's the return of Sturmhond. Sturmhond is here. He stayed late, but never once removed his gloves. I guess his 
fingers are blackened forever. Yeah. yeah. Scarred and blackened forever. Mm-hmm. And then um, the every winter during the feast of Sankt Nikolai, a troika would make its way up the snowy road and three Grisha would emerge dressed in red, purple and blue and they would be weighted down with presents for the boy and the girl and the children and they'd stay up late long after the children had gone to bed talking, telling stories, laughing and the first winter when the Grisha left the girl ventured out into the snow to say goodbye and the stunning raven-haired squalor handed her a blue kefta as a gift and the math teacher is like a blue kefta what would she do with that because of course because of course no one knows she's normal she's a normie she's a normie and they didn't see the note that read you will always be one of us Mm -hmm. and even though they're the two of them are happy it's clear that they had both known loss and their grief never did leave them sometimes Mal would find Alina standing by a window fingers playing in the beams of sunlight or sitting on the front steps of the orphanage staring at the stump of the oak next to the drive Mm -hmm. and then they would be sad (laughs) together she'd see sadness in him as well though the woods still welcomed him he was separate from them now but then the hour would pass and the teachers would catch them giggling or kissing (laughs) and most of the days they were always too busy to mourn yeah and I like the ending how the book ends how the trilogy ends they had an ordinary life full of ordinary things if love can ever be called that. The, the end. end. Oh, we finished it. I can't believe it. <laughs> we finally finished it. It took us 19 episodes. Probably less. We have a few interstitials in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've been pretty lax with our, <laughs> with our publishing times in the yeah. last month. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we could have finished this last month if Life we were way. more disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm so happy that we finished it. And I am really glad that we reread the books actually because I <laughs> like we keep saying right I really had, I really forgot everything that had happened. Yeah. And I mean it's it's so beautiful. Um I don't I can't gather my thoughts right now. Do you have any? <laughs> I guess just very quickly, I mean, out of the three, which one would you say was your favorite? Ooh, tough. Mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe still the first. I don't know, though. The second introduced us to Nikolai. Yeah, I know. Can't choose. I can't choose. And then the third, I mean, the third was just full of plot twists upon plot twists. I know. <laughs> the third was like, really, what What on earth is going on here? Yeah. I loved the first one because it's a simple book that honestly could have been a standalone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, like all good first books in a trilogy are. Mm-hmm. And also, 
there was still the hope of um, the Darkling not being <laughs> just a straight out villain. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said, book two was Nikolai and we just fell completely madly head over heels in love. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say I, as much as I appreciate the ending and that it wrapped up nicely, even though I was really doubtful about two thirds of the way into book three of like, how on earth are you going to tie everything together with only this many chapters left <laughs> it felt very rushed mm. i would say probably book three is my least favorite mm-hmm. right but i can't choose between book one and two mm. i don't know i can't choose between the three of them like yeah they were very they were all very strong books um but we also know that we both love the Six of Crows duology more. I know. <laughs> Are we going to get into that or no? I think it's worth a reread. I would like a cr- close reread of it. But yeah. I would like to do other books first before exactly. we reread. Yeah. Like those books work very well um, separately. So we don't have to do them back to back. But I think we, we definitely want to get into King of Scars I think so, yeah. And and rule of wolves, right? Yeah. But we'll we're we're gonna do alien smut in between. We're doing alien smut first. Do we do priory next? Or? Ooh, priory is pretty big though. Yeah. Let's let's discuss it. Like, mm. I think I'm okay either way. Like, we could do a palate cleanser and do something else. Yeah. Go into a different universe before we come back to the Grishaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Before we come back to Ravka. <laughs> Something to look forward to with Nikolai. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're returning to Ravka. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks for listening and sticking with us this far. We're on Instagram at Tickled Ink Pod. Come slide into our DMs with comments or questions or, you know, thoughts on what book we're going to cover next. Next, Do you want the King of Scars book? Like, do you want more Nikolai? Or are you okay with us doing something else? Like mm-hmm. Priory? You don't have a choice with regards to alien smut like that's happening whether that's or not happening. you want it to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one is happening no matter what. <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to reading it now. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. I'm just like... I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm on board with it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Everybody says it's good, though. So Yeah. At least we'll at least do the first book and we'll do it in one episode. We'll take it as an interstitial. We won't, <laughs> we won't burden you with the details. <laughs> or do we want to? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Rate the show and share with your friends who are similarly to fantasy wire novels the grief shoppers or i guess smutty alien sex (laughs) that's (laughs) That's next (laughs) coming up next you never know it might unlock something for so many people (laughs) i know i think it did for a lot of people it was it's basically the gateway to the dino porn (laughs) we'll see i don't know what's gonna happen to us nabs Uh, (laughs) this might be the point where it all changes I know right (laughs) the beginning of the end (laughs) Mm -hmm. bye bye